You're listening to Minor Talk On Demand exclusively on 600 ESPN El Paso. Stay up to date with Minor Talk by downloading the free 600 ESPN El Paso mobile app. And we're back. It's another season of Minor Talk. I'm your host, Adrian Broadus. I'm joined by Sal Montes and Jason Craig after every UTEP football game for Minor Talk. We wanted to give you a good season preview for the UTEP football team. we got some great guests today, and I'm so excited to do this. But before we get to our guests, I want to send off a message to all our listeners and all the people on social media. Thank you so much for supporting Minor Talk throughout the years. This is year four of Minor Talk, and if it weren't for the listeners, we wouldn't be doing this. We appreciate all the great listeners out there for all their calls, all their tweets, and just chiming in and being a part of this Minor Talk community. This show has grown tremendously since we started back in 2019, and we never take any moment for granted. So thank you so much to all the people who listen, who give us great feedback, and hey, if you like Minor Talk, please share it with a friend. It really helps us, and it goes a long way. So now let's get to some of our guests here coming up on this show. We're going to have Voice of the Miners John Teicher chat with us about the UTEP season preview. Cole Freytag will talk with us about joining the UTEP radio broadcast alongside the Voice of the Miners in John Teicher. Then we'll have Oscar Arieta from the Oscar Arieta Agency, the title sponsor here on Miner Talk. He'll chat with us about celebrating his 25th year of serving the Sun City. Along with Oscar, we'll have Sal Montes joining us here on the Miner Talk podcast. And right between, we'll have quarterback Gavin Hardison give his insight on this UTEP football team as we chatted with him after practice and closing out the show we'll join Steve Kaplowitz we'll break down the season and we'll give our season prediction all that and plenty more to come on 600 ESPN El Paso but without further ado let's get to some of these interviews All right, and welcome into the next segment here on the Minor Talk Podcast, looking over the season for UTEP football as they prepare to kick off the 2022 campaign. And joining us now is Voice of the Miners, John Teicher, back at it again for another big season. You'll hear him on 600 ESPN El Paso for all the UTEP football coverage, with the exception of a couple games that will be played on our sister station, 95.5 KLAQ. John, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Welcome back from hibernation and uh, excited to talk about some UTEP football with you. How's everything going? Well, I, I can't complain, Adrian, and I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to this uh, 2022 uh, UTEP football season. The Miners have taken uh, some pretty good strides, particularly in 2021, uh, playing in their first bowl game in, in seven seasons and finishing with a winning campaign. And I think they're poised to take another step uh, ahead and another step forward uh, this season. I would totally agree with you on that. And as as you look at this team as a whole, John, you've got a chance to watch some practices this uh, offseason as they get ready in fall camp. What are your first impressions of this football team heading into the 2022 season? Well, I think just their maturity and experience showing through. Adrian, I think this is a group that uh, has got some guys that have played uh, quite a bit of football at this level, I think they know how to work. I think they know what it takes to uh, to compete and have some success at this level. And, and given uh, the, uh, the the depth that uh, Dana Dimmel and his staff have been able to assemble with this uh, 
UTEP uh, football program. I think there's a lot to be optimistic about for UTEP football fans. I agree, and and I think last year the the fans really wanted this team to take that next step. They wanted almost to prove they wa- they wanted the UTEP football team to prove to the fans that they can be a winner. And you know what, UTEP did hold their end of the bargain on that one. But this year things kind of changed. It's now expectations are are placed on this team to have that success. But knowing the maturity that's coming back, uh, knowing how many starters will be returning to this team it kind of makes you feel you know at least a little bit more optimistic going into this year that they'll hold their end of the bargain when it comes to these expectations on this team yeah i would agree with that and i think adrian it starts on the, the line of scrimmage and, and just the uh, the depth and and the talent and and the maturity and experience that uh, utep has in the line of scrimmage both offensively and defensively, and I think uh, with a good football team and a good football program, it's got to start at uh, the line of scrimmage. And UTEP, uh, over the last couple of years, has drastically cut its uh, its uh, amount of yards allowed, particularly rushing on uh, on defense. And uh, I think that uh, again is going to serve this group uh, well as this 2022. Uh, football season approaches who which players are you most excited about this upcoming year well you know obviously i think you always start a quarterback and and gavin hardison now is is going to be in his third full season as a uh, as a starter and i think you've got to be uh, excited about uh, gavin's uh, maturity and, and what's behind him and the fact that he's still got a couple of full years to uh, shepherd this uh, utep uh, football program the Two-headed uh, monster of Deion Hankins and Ronald A. Watt in the uh, in the backfield, and certainly on on defense, you got to look at those guys on the outside up front and Jadrian Taylor and praise uh, Amelule. Uh, you've got to you've got to look at them as well. Tyrese Knight uh, returning as as one of the linebackers, and let's not forget the guys inside on the defensive front as well, and Keenan Stewart and and Kelton Moss, uh, both of whom now are in their third year of the program, have had such a big hand in uh, in allowing the success that that UTEP defense has had because when the guys in the middle of that defensive front are occupying blockers and allowing their teammates to make plays in the running game, uh, that's going to lead to some success. And, uh, and again, as we've talked about, minors certainly have made great strides in that regard the last couple of years. You, no doubt about it. And and when you look at some of those newcomers coming into this program, it's interesting kind of the philosophy that Dana Dimmel takes with all these because he looks at the vacant spots on his position groups and he recruits to those uh, to those position groups right there. And, and you saw that over the offseason. They get a newcomer like Josiah Allen at the cornerback position and several other, others on the defensive side and offensive side. Who are you most excited to look at as far as newcomers for this football team? Well, if you were going to look at two areas where the Miners might be vulnerable after last season, uh, going into the offseason and ultimately into the fall of uh, 2022, it would be the receiver position where UTEP suffered a couple of uh, substantial uh, substantial losses. But Kelly Akari, I think, uh, was here in the spring and uh, has uh, – has certainly made his mark already, I think, on this UTEP uh, football program. I think we're expecting big things from him. Imari White, who is not here in the spring, but uh, has done some great things already in uh, camp leading up to the start of the season. Those two 
on the offensive side of things. You mentioned Josiah Allen on the corner defensively and Latrez Shelton. The Miners lost two seniors uh, last year uh, as their starting corners and obviously needed some some young blood to come through. And I think uh, Josiah Allen and Latrez Shelton have uh, taken the bull by the horns and uh, established themselves as uh, early season starters on the corner. So those are are four names, two at the receiver position and two uh, at the corner position uh, where the miners, I think, uh, needed the most help. Now it's so interesting that the miners playing in week ze- in a week zero game like they are against North Texas Saturday August twenty seventh. So interesting to look at this game as a whole and the the real big push by the athletic department to try to sell this game out. Uh, we had texted back and forth about this uh, as far as kind of reflecting back on their last uh, sellout, which was came back in two thousand eight against Texas. But looking at this one right here, August twenty seventh, what would it mean to the community, maybe even to these players, to just know that they could maybe sell this game out and uh, and get fans really excited about North Texas coming in for the season opener. I think uh, more than anything else, Adrian, just uh, with everything that a lot of these kids have been through, what with COVID and the very difficult uh, couple of seasons that uh, accompanied that over the last uh, couple of, uh, of years, just the kind of the, the, the thought that, hey, we're back to normal again and that this community really cares about us and cares about uh, UTEP football and, and opening with a conference opponent as they are in, in North Texas, I think it sends a great message to these kids who have, uh, who have persisted uh, through the difficult times uh, here in, in El Paso and, and w- with UTEP football. I think it would send them a, a very, very powerful message. Uh, powerful message and it's also a good reminder to fans you know they don't see this very often at the Sun Bowl where you have this many people join uh, you know at at the stadium for a huge event like this I mean we had athletic director Jim Center join us and really stress to fans get there early and and, you know be there even earlier than you you might normally uh, you know go when you you go to these game days but uh, one of the big questions that I have for you John is I reflect back on that 2008 game the sellout against Texas Mac Brown coming to town with the Longhorns along with Colt McCoy. That team was just you know stacked with talent. And the minor fans really showed up. I know Longhorn fans did as well, but what, what do you remember about that game right there, just reflecting back to the last sellout that UTEP had? Well, again, just the buzz in the stadium, the excitement throughout uh, the city. Again, uh, the Texas Longhorns uh, in El Paso. It's not something that happens uh, very often. It's not something that happens uh, every day. And just remembering the excitement that permeated uh, this uh, community when the Longhorns uh, were were in town for that uh, particular game. And again, Adrian, as you'll recall, the Miners hung uh, with the Longhorns for quite a long time uh, in that uh, contest. And, uh, you know, as we got into the uh, very much into the second half and even into the fourth quarter, you know, the, I was thinking that, uh, wow, what if uh, what if the unthinkable is is about to happen? Sure, sure. I, I, I remember that as well. Fans were going crazy in that game, and I think Bevo was going crazy in the end zone as well. But, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, sh- shifting gears back to something I touched on earlier, John, I want to get your thoughts on this. Recruiting at UTEP is so different, and, and we look at it from a national uh, perspective, and uh, UTEP is usually near the bottom of different recruiting lists, but for no good reason, right? Because they usually get and capitalize on the junior college market where they're a- able to get players to play immediately. 
and they get those mid-year transfers who could come and join in the spring, uh, learn the entire offense or defense, and then perform in the fall. What are your thoughts on this philosophy, going more the JUCO-heavy route, uh, sprinkling in high school recruits when you can? And sure, they get transfers uh, left and right uh, here and there when it comes to D1 guys. But what's your your thoughts on this philosophy as far as Dana Dimmel's recruiting? Well, I think Dana has uh, identified a system that he saw worked well for a very, very similar uh, program in, in Kansas State during his uh, his many years there with uh, Bill Snyder. The Wildcats heavily recruited to the junior college ranks. I think Dana and his staff uh, deserve a great deal of credit uh, for their evaluation uh, process. They've identified some kids maybe that uh, fall somewhat under the radar, not that they aren't talented players in their own right, but uh, maybe that some other programs uh, had some, some questions about. And uh, they've obviously done a good job of evaluation of uh, development, and they've done a great job of retention uh, of these uh, kids as well. And there's so much focus, Adrian, so much focus these days on the transfer portal that I think that uh, UTEP has found itself a pretty good niche in recruiting the the junior college kids and 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 developing them, and I think uh, the fruits of uh, of their labor certainly have paid off. You know, this is a a year in which UTEP has a chance to reach bowl games for back-to-back seasons for the first time since Mike Price was back here in 2004 and 2005. That that right there is something special, John. I that that's a historic accomplishment that this UTEP football team really wants to try to get back to and that is consistent winning, consistent success year after year. Well, you bet it's something special and these kids have an opportunity to do a number of, of special things, things that haven't been done in a very long time, have never been done uh, with the program here at UTEP. Uh, consider that uh, UTEP has not won a conference football championship since 2000, has never won a Conference USA football crown, and uh, beginning their 18th season as members of Conference USA. If these kids uh, could uh, accomplish that, uh, they do something that's never been done. In the, in the history of this program. And as you mentioned, it's been uh, nearly 20 years since back-to-back bowl appearances. Uh, let's, uh, let's shock the world. Let's do something that hasn't been done uh, by UTEP football in, uh, in a very long time. Now, John, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this and bring this up. You're, you're working with a new color commentator this season that you're teaming up. Tell us about your new partner who we're going to get to talk to here coming up on the podcast. Really excited about uh, Cole Freitag, uh, Adrian, obviously in El Paso, uh, young man, uh, prepped at uh, Coronado High School. Uh, I think he walked on here at uh, UTEP uh, initially and uh, worked his way into uh, uh, a prominent uh, role, was one of the top receivers uh, in the program uh, by the time he uh, reached uh, his, uh, his senior campaign. I think Cole will be a nice balance uh, for me kind of being the established old guy. He kind of brings the uh, youthful uh, exuberance, obviously understands uh, the game uh, inside and out, has done a little media work uh, on his own. So I like what uh, Cole brings to the mix. Uh, uh, most importantly, uh, he's excited about this opportunity. So uh, I think we're going to have a lot of fun uh, calling uh, UTEP uh, football games uh, 
for uh, minor fans uh, this fall. Cole Freitag, one of my favorites, especially to talk to in interviews. Uh, he always treated me real well, so I'm very fired up for this uh, this pairing coming up this fall. John, thank you so much for all the great time today on the Minor Talk podcast. Can't wait for the first game coming up here on on uh, Saturday, August 27th. Oh, you and me both, my friend. Thanks. Adrian. Appreciate Voice of the Miners, John Teicher, and as he talked about to close out that segment, we are now welcoming on his new broadcast partner. It's Cole Freitag, one of UTEP's standout players who graduated in 2016. He's a local product from Coronado High School, born in El Paso, and now he joins John Teicher, Voice of the Miners, in the booth for this upcoming football season. I'm so fired up about this, Cole, and uh, what was your initial reaction when you got that call from Teicher uh, regarding uh, you know being his broadcast partner for these UTEP football games? Yeah, you know, it, it kind of came out of the blue. I actually had a conversation with him maybe a year and a half ago about uh, potentially getting into this. I actually had the chance of working with uh, Mondo uh, Medina uh, with the high school football broadcasting maybe uh, a year and a half, two years ago for the fall season. And I, I did a lot of the Coronado football games, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, just with the Friday nights, it, it didn't fit into my schedule that great, and there were kind of a lot of moving pieces there. But, you know, uh, John called me. Um, it really came out of the blue, like you said. Uh, I, I was really fired up about it. I've kind of been looking for a way to get back into uh, uh, football in, in one facet or another, whether it be coaching or, or broadcasting. So it ended up kind of being the perfect storm, and, and it fit. And I told John I'm excited to do it and uh, work with him. So uh, it should be a fun season. For listeners who remember you, they'll, they'll know exactly who you are. But for those who, who kind of maybe forgot since you graduated in 2016, what kind of personality are you going to bring to the booth? Or what's your style, I should say? Yeah, you know, I, I like to think it's going to be pretty natural. I'm, I'm kind of a, I'd compare myself maybe to Tony Romo. I'm, I'm just going to kind of stick to what I know. I've been around football for a very long time. I've uh, been around UTEP for a while now. I'm, I'm obviously an avid fan there. I'm, I'm a fan of football in general. Uh, I, I'm really going to try to uh, go up there and be myself. I'll obviously follow John's lead. He's done such a great job with this for, for so many years. And, and that's really why I was able to kind of make this strong commitment. I, I knew that, uh, it, you know, John, like I said, is going to make it extremely easy and he'll be someone fun to work with. And, uh, again, I'm going to keep it light. I, I think I'll bring a lot of knowledge uh, to the broadcast booth as far as a, a football perspective goes. And, uh, you know, like I said, just kind of having fun with it. So, You know, you, you're somebody who got a chance to witness highs and low with the UTEP football team. And you, you saw a team go to a uh, bowl game back in 2014 when you were a sophomore. You played in all 13 games on offense. Uh, and that was, the, that was the year when you, you guys went to the New Mexico Bowl. But then you also saw some of the lower points of this program, uh, you know, as a whole. But how, how can you bring, you know, what kind of perspective can you bring to this, uh, this UTEP football team, just knowing what kind of expectations are placed on this group specifically in 2022 yeah well well i've always said and and this really you know was a thing for me when i was there at utep i I mean you know losing can become a culture just as as quickly as as winning can and and it's hard when when you've been you know used to having you know back to back to back losing seasons where you've never had a taste of winning in a consistent manner and and that's where i really think coach dimmel's done a great job already of kind of creating that winning culture uh, knowing what that feels like, I think that's fired up a lot of the guys uh, as, as far as, like, like I said, just having a taste of that and what it takes to get to that level because it's, it's not an easy thing uh, year in and year out to kind of come in and compete and have a winning record. 
Uh, so I, I really think so much of it is consistency. Uh, obviously not having a, a high turnover, which is going to be a battle right now in college football in general as, as far as returning starters and, and, and coaching staff. But, you know, like I said, I really think Coach Dimmel's done a great job of that already. And I, I think a lot of people, not only myself, but around the city are fired up as far as uh, the direction he has this training going forward. So it's pretty exciting to see right now. You know, you mentioned just kind of different eras. You mentioned the transfer portal. But I'm thinking if Cole Freytag was a UTEP minor in 2022, you might have a couple <laughs> NIL deals right there. I mean, hey, a local product, <laughs> local standout. I, I'm bummed for you that you didn't get a chance to capitalize on this NIL uh, you know, culture that we live in right now. Yeah, and that's the thing. I, I feel like there's kind of this misconception right now that you've got to go outside of El Paso to get something like that done. But, I, I mean, obviously UTEP's our, our major sports program here. We don't have any pro NFL teams. So I, I feel like this is the right market for, you know, anybody really to come in here and have a chance to shine and, and also get some of that stuff done. So people talking of in, in a negative light as far as it being the small school and having one good year and being able to go outside. But, I mean, if you want to come here and kind of be the stud and be under the spotlight, I, I think there's a lot of potential for that. So, you know, it's, it's an exciting time for a lot of these kids to get stuff like that done. And, uh, again, I, I just think it has to be the right situation. But, yeah, this would have been a pretty fun thing to be a part of back in the day, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm reflecting back on your career at UTEP. I mean, some of the highlights. I remember your senior year, you know, you, you just had a standout season. Um, my, one of the games that stands out, I, at least off the, off the top of my head, uh, was the last game against North Texas when you just, you know, you, you balled out. You had a 30-yard touchdown catch. That was senior day for you. I'm sure that was an emotional game. Uh, another big highlight was... Uh, just your team beating New Mexico State in that uh, that crazy o- come-from-behind overtime win, uh, and you had a big game in that one as well. What, what are some of the games or, or moments in your UTEP career that really stand out? Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of it, um, like, like you said, were those were some of those games senior year, but obviously beating New Mexico State on the road there in that overtime game with Ryan Metz, that quarterback. I think it was Cedric Wayne that had the, uh, the go-ahead touchdown there in overtime, which was pretty exciting. You know, that, that season, though, I look back on that, and, and, and it's, it's crazy how quickly that stuff can change. We had so much potential. I mean, before the season, if you would have talked to me, I would have said, you know, it was going to be a given that we'd be at least be committing to, uh, uh, you know, having a spot in a bowl game. And, you know, we just had injuries happen at the wrong time. There were a couple games we started slow, and, you know, we might have played well in the, the middle of the game, but we couldn't make up enough to come back and win it. So it, it's one of those things that, from a perspective standpoint, I, it's a good example of, you can have all the players and all the talent and kind of everything else come together. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't all come together at the same time, you're still going to continue to struggle. So, you know, we got a chance to play in some really cool stadiums. I remember going to North Texas and, you know, Kevin Durant was on the sideline for that game, which was a pretty that. cool yeah. uh, experience. It was very competitive in the first half. Aaron had a big game. Um, you know, just, you know, all those moments with our teammates are, are, are stuff that I won't forget for the rest of my life. And, you know, I was just blessed, honestly, at the end of the day to have a chance to play for UTEP. And it re- really turned out to be uh, the best case scenario for me. So. How cool is it to see some of these guys in the pros that you used to share, you know, a locker room with? I mean, Will Hernandez, Aaron Jones, uh, you're seeing these guys play on Sundays and, and stand out in their profession. Yeah, and, and like I said, a lot. So much of that goes back to you look at you know some of these guys that we we had on that that team my senior year: Aaron Jones, Will Hernandez, Roy Robertson, um, Nick Needham. So we, you know, it, it's crazy to think back uh, on how much uh, you know NFL talent we had on that team. And, and again, it just goes to show you can have all the talent in the world, but if you can't put it all together from a team perspective, then you're still going to struggle. 
But I, I just honestly so happy for those guys. You know, I talk about them all the time. I love to tell my friends about them. I'm so proud of what they're doing and how they love to put UTEP on the, the map, uh, Aaron specifically. But, yeah, I just obviously continue to kind of uh, follow those guys and uh, keep up with them. And, yeah, it's been, been pretty amazing to see. Pretty cool for those guys. So, Do you have any good Aaron Jones stories? Man, Aaron, Aaron was always so mild-mannered. I, I mean, the, the thing about him, and people ask me about him all the time, like what was he like on the field, and he, he just always kept his cool. No situation was ever too big for him. He obviously came from very humble beginnings. You know, his dad was the, the guy out at our UTEP summer practices when we might be practicing seven-on-seven seven like that, giving us Gatorade and water and kind of always cheering us on. So Aaron was just as, as big of a star as he was in, in El Paso. He was equally as humble, and, and that just – from a team perspective, kind of always made us more hungry to be better and, and kind of surround him with the pieces that he needed to be successful. But more than anything, man, he was just a down-to-earth, easy guy to talk to. And I think that still reflects today with as much success he's had even in the NFL. So. Yeah, let's turn the page. Let's look on to this season because um, the Miners are coming off a 7-6 and six, uh, finish last year, a bowl game loss to Fresno State, but uh, a real nice effort that they had closing out last season. Give me your thoughts on this upcoming year because it's a favorable schedule for UTEP. And Dana Dimmel's now entering his fifth year at the helm of the of the coaching staff here at, with the Miners, and he's uh, you know he has a lot of returning players all across the board. Yeah, like you talked about, I, I mean, you talk about the two-headed monster at the running back position and then returning Gavis, uh, Gavin is obviously going to be a huge part of it. I, I know they've got a lot of JUCO guys coming in from, you know, some of the practices I've been out to and some of the articles I've read online, um, which I think is going to be a nature of, of college football in general now. And, and, you know, you talk about the transfer portal and how easily that's going to be accessible to these players as far as, you know, being able to come in for a year and then transfer out. But now with JUCO guys, that, that kind of used to be a negative persona. But now if they can kind of come in and put a good year in, a lot of those guys aren't going to want to leave for one year and, and take a chance at another school. So I think Dana Dimmel's always done a really good job of kind of recruiting players, especially of a high talent level, uh, to kind of come in and play immediately in the UTEP program. So I think we're going to see a lot of that this year. But, but again, I, I just think if you can have a consistent running back, you have a quarterback with experience under the center – and I think, again, that's a 75% of, you know, setting up this team for success for the uh, the football season this year. So really looking forward to following UTEP. Again, I'm excited to be around the program this year. I think there's a lot of good things to look forward to. You know, uh, as we wrap things up, Cole, and thanks so much for all the great time today. Uh, joining Voice of the Miners, John Teicher, in the booth is one thing, but also joining this booth knowing that the Miners have something, have a chance to do something special this year, and that's go to back-to-back bowl games for the first time since 2004-2005 when Mike Price was leading the helm for this program. What Does that make it a little bit more special, you're joining the booth and, and, and uh, you know, being the uh, color commentator voice of the Miners here? Yeah, I mean, even hearing you say that right now just kind of gave me chills. I'm so fired up as far as the direction this program's going in. I think the city is behind them now. I think they've done so many things the right way. I've even talked to people kind of around town lately who have met some of the guys on the team this year, and they just talk about, you know, their stand-up personalities and that they're personable and that you can tell they care about El Paso and they care about winning. And I think, again, I think the city has deserved something like that for a long time. So, again, that was a huge piece along with working with John as far as me committing to kind of doing this thing going forward. Uh, Again, I'm so excited to be a part of it. I I think the future is bright for the UTEP football team. 
and uh, I'm excited to go along for the ride. So it's, it's definitely good to be back, Adrian. I appreciate you having me on today. I, I just have to say, Cole, I'm fired up about having you, but uh, but I have to warn you, now that you're in this position, we are going to be bugging <laughs> you left and right, asking you to join Minor Talk, <laughs> join Sports Talk with Steve Kaplowitz and, my, and myself. So, uh, yeah, expect a lot of texts from us throughout the season. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to talk fo- football again, man. It's good to be back. I'm, I'm actually excited for that stuff. So anytime you need me, feel free to reach out and uh, – Again, looking forward to a fun season this year. So, Yeah, us as well, Cole. Thanks again for all the great time. Yes, sir. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Back to the Mind Talk podcast. I'm here with UTEP starting quarterback Gavin Hardison uh, following practice today. Gavin, thanks so much for doing this. How's everything going? It's going good. It's going well. Um, it's a good start to fall camp for us as a team. And, you know, I, we're just coming out here and working every day. Fall camp is all about leaders. Leadership, built, leaders are built in fall camp. Who are some of the leaders on this team? Uh, we have a, a good amount of leaders on our team, you know, offense and offensively and defensively. And so, you know, I just, you know, we have we have a lot of guys that stepped up and, you know, we have a lot of guys that have come back and um, have a lot of experience on this team. So um, it's, it's, it's a benefit for us. What kind of a leader are you? Uh, you know, I try to be a lead by example type of a guy, and you know, I'm not the uh, most outspoken guy in the world. But you know, I, there's a time and place from where I try to step up and be an outspoken leader. But uh, you know, I just try to lead by example and just be the best team that I can be. I can see you got a little bit more swagger, more moxie after after practices. Would you agree? Uh, you know, possibly, possibly. Uh, I think that you know, look good, feel good, play good. I guess that's what Deion Sanders says. What do fans see from you this year? Because fans really were amazed by the fact that you carried on a starting position. I mean, UTEP quarterbacks don't come starting you know year after year, and you're doing it now. This is the third year entering as a starter. What what, what can the fans expect from you this year? You know, I'm just trying to elevate my game, you know, getting better in, in every way, every way possible and every way I see fit. And so, you know, I just an elevated season from for myself personally. But, you know, I'm really just trying to execute my job out for this football team. And, you know, whatever that is, it's trying to win games for us. What do you think of the schedule? Uh, it's it's uh, I think our schedule is uh, put together really well. You know, uh, I want to say we go seven weeks in a row. Uh, before our first bye week. So, I mean, it's going to be a grind, but at the same time, I think that we just got to take it one week at a time and uh, focus week to week. You like playing on week zero? Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Uh, fun environment, you know, uh, TV and all that stuff. And so, I mean, it, it's big for us and our program and exciting and, you know, it's a, it's a way to get the season started earlier. What uh, would you add to your game this off season? Uh, that's a secret. I can't tell you. Okay, no worries. Um, what kind of a, what kind of play calling abilities do you have at the line of scrimmage? Because that's what that's what coach talks a lot uh, to us about. That he loves the fact that you've grown at that at that level. You can call plays at the line. You can change different things. What what goes through your head like that? Uh, you know, trying to make quick decisions and um, you know, see, trust what I see uh, and what the defense is is doing, and uh, trust the film study and stuff like that. And so. You know, I, I think it just comes with time, and I feel like I'm, I still have a ways to go in, in, in that, but I'm working. Tell me some of your receivers and tell me what they do. Oh, man. Uh, you know, we have uh, Tyron Smith. He's coming back. You know, he makes plays for us. He's a big-time guy. Uh, you know, Kelly Akari, he, he's a new guy. He's really stepping in. Uh, Ray Flores, you know, he's a very dependable guy. He does everything right. Um you know, uh, Justin Clark, uh, he, he was here last year, you know, big time, makes big time plays for us. Um, 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 Walter Don has been in, in the program for a while, and 
he brings a lot of experience. You know, Amari White is the younger guy that's coming in and stepping up. Uh, Jeremiah Ballard, um, you know, he's a bigger, bigger receiver, makes plays. Uh, uh, Lucas Flores, you know, younger brother of Ray, he, he really has stepped up big and uh, making plays for us, uh, making sure I don't miss anyone. Um, uh, Josh Farr has uh, been a dependable guy, really trying to step up and and uh, almost as a, a leader to those guys. He's been here a little while, um, and then you know a few new guys that another few, a few new guys of Marcus Bellin is, and came in and uh, Kyle McNamara, um, and I'm sure I'm missing someone, but we have a lot of guys. That I, got, I got you. I put you on the spot there. Uh, All right, your two tight ends. I love them. Uh, Zach Fryer and Trent Thompson. Fans will wonder, well, why doesn't Gavin throw it to him? But I always just say, look at the film. Watch the game. You're not watching it because these guys are blocking every single down, and they're some of the best blocking tight ends you're going to see. And if they're in the passing game, it's not like you're avoiding them. You're, gonna, you're gonna still going to look their way, and you're still going to try to find them if they're open. So how do you guys use the tight ends? Tell me a little bit about that. You know, our tight end is a is a big big part of our offense and what we do. You know, our tight end has to be extremely smart. Um, first off, on uh, what the defense is doing, what uh, the fronts and all that stuff. And, you know, they got to be uh, be able to block, uh, pass block, run block, and run routes. And so, um, but I think that those guys handle that uh, that role well. Elijah Klein was the only guy to get some love from the Conference USA preseason list on uh, from the offensive line. Andrew Mayers brings back experience. You guys got a lot of experience yeah. on that offensive front. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that offensive line. Yeah, I mean our offensive line has been uh, has been really rock solid for us in, in this fall camp so far. You know, uh, Jeremiah Byers um, coming back. You know, he has experience and he, he's a great player. Um, obviously, Elijah Klein, like you mentioned, is uh, a great player for us, great leader on that offense. Andrew's a big-time leader for us. Uh, Justin Mayers, um, is a big, is, he's a big-time player. I mean, he, he he's young, but, you know, he has a lot of talent. Uh, Missouri Henry has a lot of talent. Um, you know, uh, Stephen Hubbard, he, I mean, he's a, he can play a whole lot of different positions for us. Um, you know, Robert Mervin, same way. We can play a lot of different positions for us. You know, I mean, we have we have some depth on that O line, that, but we also have experience, so it it it, uh, it works out. Ronnie Awad and Dion, man, that that's a great one-two punch at the running back position. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, those two guys have. Uh, I mean, that last year, I mean, ran hard, and you know they. They just continue to improve and continue to work on their game. And, you know, I'm excited to watch them run this year. The outside narrative last year was, hey, defense is great. It's just about what's the, what is the offense going to do? How, how do you guys try to change that narrative, even though, you know, you guys are confident in your own abilities? Uh, yeah, just focus on what we have to do uh, week in and week out and, you know, continue to uh, do our job and uh, take what the defense gives us and, and make plays and uh, move the ball. You know, get first downs and put, put points on the on the uh, board. Don't settle for field goals. Score touchdowns. Isn't it crazy to think it's like three weeks away till opening kickoff? Yeah, it is. It, it came fast, but you know we're ready for it. Um, we we've been preparing all summer and all spring, and it's, it's we've, we were really motivated after our last our last time we we played, and so you know we. We have a lot to lot to prove this year. Um, you, you've never been one to talk about, you know, over excessive goals, ever set too high of, of things like that. But any personal goals that you have, like th- that you have been kind of eyeing these past couple of years, and you just want to say, hey, I'm, I'm coming out here and I want to do stuff like this. You know, uh, for me personally, I just I feel like, you know, if I if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, then um, stats and numbers will come. Uh, you know, I, 
if you worry about stats and numbers, then you're going to start forcing things and, and start making plays that you shouldn't be making. And so um, I really just try to focus on what I'm supposed to be doing each play. And, you know, the stats and all that stuff will come. You've always been described as somebody who just wants to win. That's all you uh, care about is wins. What what would a bowl win mean for you? I mean, it hasn't happened since 1967 here at UTEP. I mean, this, the season aside, whether it's this year or next year, what, whenever, uh, what would a bowl win mean for you knowing that you'd be the first to do it in over 50 years? You know, it'd be uh, it'd be huge for our program and huge for you know what we're doing here. But you know, at the same time, we we got we got a ways to get there, and you know we gotta we gotta make sure we get there first. And you know, our, one of our goals is to get to that conference championship game, and so we want to try to take care of business on on that first. But you know, once we we get to that bowl game, it'd be huge for us. But you know, uh, I'm just trying to go one and every week. Uh, August 27th, the expectation is a sellout. Did you hear anything about the last time UTEP sold out a game against Texas? Uh, yeah, I've heard a few things. I've heard a few things about it. was like a 50-50 split. Yeah, yeah. It was uh it was pretty crazy. I heard I've heard people were sitting on the mountain and all kinds of stuff. So, uh, yeah, a lot of all kinds of stuff. You're exactly right. <laughs> but uh, the the fifty fifty split was half Texas, half UTEP. This time around, if it's a sellout, it's probably going to be you know ninety five percent all UTEP, which is pretty cool to even think about, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure, most definitely. Uh, you know, it'd be huge for um, all the fans that come out and support. You know, we have a lot of. Uh, hype building around this season but you know at the same time it just really comes down to us doing our job every play is that a dream of yours to play in front of a sold out crowd like that oh uh, yeah I mean growing up you you always want to play in front of those huge crowds and um, it's, it's it's exciting you know it, it gets everyone going but uh, you don't have to really motivate me a whole lot to get ready for a game hey Gavin thanks so much for doing this alright thank you I appreciate it to the Minor Talk Podcast. I'm Adrian Broadus. Joined with me is one of the presenting sponsors here on Minor Talk, Oscar Adietta from the Oscar Adietta Agency. You can see him at all seven locations. And the reason why we're doing this today is a very special reason. We're actually doing this because we're celebrating 25 years of serving El Paso from the west side to Fabens, the Oscar Adietta Agency. You hear him all the time on Minor Talk. Uh, Oscar, thank you so much for doing this. Congratulations on 25 years. It's so important to have 
the right people around you. You gotta have the right people around you. And both instances, I had the right people to tell me, hey, Oscar, we're here, we're gonna pull. Don't, don't, let's go, let's go, we can do this. And I, to this day, I'm very thankful for, for those employees that were there with me thinking that they, they believed in me because I had stopped believing in myself that we could do it and we thought everything was over. And you know, 25 years I'm sitting here because of people that surround me that, that were instrumental in, in uh, not giving up and believing in me. If you took who you are today and you went all the way back to 1997 and you said, hey, guess what? You're going to have seven locations in this city. It's not just going to be this one location in Fabens where, where you made your, where made your name and you made your staple and start things off. It's going to be all across the city of El Paso. What do you think you would have said back in 97? You're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're thought to dream big. And yes, you know, when I opened, I was dreaming big. But um, I was dreaming big based on what I could even uh, see it with my eyes, right? Um, open an agency and maybe grow it to uh, to a certain amount of policies, a certain amount of clients, and just be, you know, uh, in that moment, what I did find success is like, oh, okay, you know what? Yeah, I'm making a living. I'm able to pay my mortgage and I'm able to do this. And I got one, two employees because usually the most uh, agents only had only a couple of employees. And so I was following the, the, the exact path and uh, never thought that I was going to go multiple agencies. And um, going back to the people that you have, you know, if you have the right people there, they're always going to push you. And if you have the, 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 the heart and saying, hey, uh, you want them to grow, well, they're going to push you to grow also. And I think that uh, that has been very instrumental to us that uh, in these 25 years, as we, we've been expanding, uh, you know, there was an instance that in 2006, I, I opened two additional agencies. I bought an agency and, and started scratch. And around 2010, I'm thinking, I had three agencies, I'm like, I'll never, ever open up another agency. I'm okay with what I have. What happened is that in 2010, we started to see a growth and we started to focus on building leaders within my agency. All of a sudden in 2011, I buy my fourth one. I'm saying, okay, we bought our fourth one. That's it, we can't do more. In 2018, we did uh, uh, our fifth one. And in 2020, while COVID was going, we did, we, I'm sorry, 2021, which was last year, we applied to additional, and we have seven. And I've learned that I will never, ever say, no, I was seven is fine. I think that um, as you build leaders, they, you're able to continue to grow. That makes a lot of sense. And you know what's so interesting is you're in, a, you're in El Paso and you do this with the city of El Paso kind of behind you because, like you said, it's leaders who you employ here in this building and, and all your other seven buildings. What's it like doing this knowing that you're doing it here in El Paso in the 915, just knowing how much city support we've gotten over the past recent years? Oh, it's amazing. I, I think that uh, El Paso, I love El Paso. You know, uh, I love it with all my heart. Uh, I've, I've, I've been blessed to be traveled around the United States and, and gone to New York City, Dallas, big cities that you think that, 
that a lot of people say, oh, it's not El Paso. And I'm like, there's something about El Paso. And I will tell you with, with uh, what it is, it's the people. There's no people like the El Paso people. That's what makes El Paso great. Uh, I just read a post, a social media post on this week about this comedian, a comedian that was trashing El Paso. Like, oh, I don't want to go to El Paso. Why do I need to go and stuff? You know, he's focusing on El Paso, but I would, I would tell him, you haven't met the El Paso people. Because the El Paso people is what makes El Paso. El Paso doesn't make the, the people, it's the people. And we're super blessed to have these amazing people of the 915. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, such a special community. It's understandable why people like Aaron Jones puts the city on the map. It's understandable why uh, an artist like Khalid always wants to give back to this city. And you do so much giving back to this community as well through, through Allstate and through your agency. You do a lot of things where you're out in the community, involved, especially around the winter time. You, you guys do so much. Can you talk a little bit about how it's grown from the start of kind of getting back to the community and maybe why you feel like that's such a big thing for you all? Well, I think that first of all, First and foremost, uh, God has blessed me a lot. So, you know, I started from this small community that I grew up in, in, in Fabens. I'm from Fabens. I'm, 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 I'm proud to say that I'm from Fabens. Um, and when I first opened my business, I saw that um, Fabens uh, uh, was being underserved. And I wanted to build some, uh, do the insurance uh building my insurance agency out there, but with high quality and give back. And so I started uh, small with them, and from there it has just expanded. I've seen how, how God has blessed, blessed me, and you know, when you're blessed, you gotta give back. So I, I believe in, you know, I, I guess you can say that I started uh, from Fabens, but now we went, we went into Horizon City, and then we went to El Paso, and now we're all across, and, and seeing that uh, we got this so uh, this blessing, and we're able to to give back to the community, back to you, to back to to the local schools, and I'm huge in, in the community uh, to giving back to the community because I started from a, a local, and I, I think that when we instilled with my uh, my staff and my staff when we say, hey, we're going to do this, they're all for it. Like, oh, let's go. Um, we're doing a project where we're going to go paint some houses. I didn't appreciate that. I had a, a manager from one of my offices that says, hey, Oscar, wouldn't, wouldn't, be, uh, wouldn't it be nice for us to do this? I said, set it up and you have all my support and let's do it. So that's what we're doing. And I'm glad when people feel the same way I feel. Oh, yes. I mean, giving back to the community is such a huge thing in this city. Now, uh, let me ask you this. As a business owner and somebody who's been a part of this community uh, for a long time, seen this city grow? I, that's such a loaded question, too, because you look at your west side location, even, I mean, I'm 25 years, I don't, there was nothing in that area whatsoever, even that, out of the last decade. So now you see how far the west side is expanding, your horizon location, it's a whole new city out there, and your east lake location. This city's growing like crazy. It is, it is. Um, I remember when we opened in, in Horizon, you know, it was a retirement community. Um, 
you know, when I first opened Invaders, you know, I had people laugh at me from the El Paso agents and said, hey, what are you going to do, uh, sell insurance to horses and stuff? You know, um, I, I've just seen, I, I think I've been blessed to see how this has growth, uh, grown, El Paso, how, how it's grown, and, and we've been part of it. Uh, Westside, when we first opened our Westside location in 2018, all that was pure desert. I was one of the first uh, businesses that opened in that location at the West Town location. Now you go out there, traffic is is really, I mean, we love the traffic as a business, but if you're stuck in traffic, you hate it. But you know it's grown, and I, I think that's a testament of what, what we were talking about, that, you know, Paso, uh, people are saying, they, they're very comfortable. They, you know, it's a great community when you get to know the people. You know, white people, Paso. Yeah, there's, there's no reason to. In, in my opinion, I love this city. Um, I, no, let's shift gears and, and talk a little bit about just being a business owner and maybe some advice you can give because we, we understand as a community, there are local businesses, small business, bigger businesses out there. As somebody who's just sustained longevity in this city and been here for over two decades now, are there any tips or advice you give to business owners who are trying to get to that level? Trying, and, and maybe it's not necessarily to that level, but just to have success and to, to show what you can do in the city. Yeah, I, I tend to do a lot of networking um, to give advice, but also to receive advice. I love, I, I said earlier that it's important for us to surround, to, for you to surround yourself with, with great people, uh, with like-minded people, uh, because it's important. Um, as a business owner, you gotta look for leadership, people that are gonna inspire you. And my suggestion always to, to anybody that's building a, uh, that wants to open a business or has a business or is going through a growing thing like I did that, you know, you're thinking, you know, this is it. I'm not gonna make it. One of the things I tell them is, um, is don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, you gotta continue to the last day, to the last moment, to the last penny that you have. Because if you do end up closing, because there's instances that you do have to close, but you don't want to go with that feeling that if I would have just stayed a little bit longer. And I have so many um, acquaintances that were in the same boat that I was, and they got the same advice either from me or somebody else, and they stayed, and now they're very successful. You know, success is not defined if you lose your money or lose all your money or you can't pay your bill. Success to me is defined is defined by, you know, how many people do you touch? You know, how many people do you impact? And based on, on that, you know, if you focus on, on how, how many people you can impact and you, you shift your focus from the money-wise, because money doesn't define you, then I think you can be very successful. I think we have, many people can be very successful. I agree, I, I think that's definitely the case. Uh, now I wanna talk some UTEP. This is this is the fun part right here, here we go. Gold miners! Yeah. We had to get, we'll, we'll get another one in later on, before we end up. Oscar, th this UTEP football team, let's just jump right into it. They have high expectations. Coming off a bowl win, uh, bowl game last year, not a bowl win, they want a bowl win. Uh, they won seven games last year, a first winning seven years we're talking about a winner isn't that crazy and, and expectations it's kind of crazy to see that yeah, oh yeah I, i'm super excited for this football season 
very excited. Uh, I think great things are to come, and I think the community is also uh, now all in. I think so too. This 915 initiative is real interesting that they have. You guys have been a part of it. We, we noticed the agency on the on the commercial in the yes. promo video that they posted. Yes, yes, and actually it was in this agency that we uh, recorded that, and uh, we're super excited. I love the, the motto, Rise Up 915. So yeah, it's a great motto. Well, how did you get first involved in UTEP sports, and how has that relationship developed with UTEP? Uh, it's, it's funny you're talking about uh, Rise Up 915, so I'll take you to when uh, UTEP hired Mike Price. You know, that was in 2004, and uh, they invited a group of Allstate agents to be part of uh, uh, a, a big sponsorship. And, you know, that was actually my first time going out there um, to meeting, you know, John Tyser, the, the famous John Tyser. And uh, they pitched this idea of being the sponsorship. And, you know, it was with a group of agents and pretty much all pitched in. And Mike Price comes out of the room and says, guys, we need you. And this is our motto. And our motto back in 2000, and I never forget it, is uh, can you believe? Believe, you know? And it was almost like a question telling it to the community. You know, believe, can you believe? And when I heard my Christ come out with that, I'm like, wow, it's amazing. I want to believe now. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what? 2004, they made the bowl. Yep. And uh, season. they had a women's season. And now I'm always anxious, like, what's the next model for you to, you know? And I love that uh, this year they came out with uh, Rise Up 915, but that's 2004 is when I really started. And, you know, back then the sponsorship was really small for us because we're a group, but that's when we grew. And then later on, we, we, we started to do more. And when I saw that, hey, this is something nice. And I, uh, I could see, um, you know, the, the, the community responding, I said, I gotta do this every year. And from here on, I'm hooked with UTEP. I'm a big UTEP supporter. I will always support my UTEP miners, win or lose, I'm always there. Of course, we always want them to lose, but I mean, to, to win, I'm sorry. Uh, we want them to win all the time, but even if they lose, you know, I'm always gonna have their back. Yeah, that's, that's awesome because this community really needs more supporters like that. We, I mean, hey, you've heard our show. We get a lot of callers on all spectrum. So yeah. people don't, people are frustrated at times and people are excited and I get it, right? Because especially coming off a bowl win, or I mean a bowl game, I keep saying a win, I'm, I'm manifesting it right here. Yeah. But they come off that game and you kind of feel like there's still more left in the tank with this group. There's still a lot of excitement. And you guys bring a lot of excitement each game day. That's what I like about you, the Oscar Adietta agency. At the home games, you guys are out there tabling, doing different things, sometimes giving away different items. Uh, one of my favorite things that you gave away was the seat cushions. Uh, my whole family had the Oscar Adietta agency seat cushions. They were they were uh, resting when they were getting a chance to go to the home games. Uh, what's it like doing those giveaways and just meeting UTEP fans on a game-to-game -game basis? It's awesome. Uh, you get to meet. You know, going back to you know the Collins, it's always good. You know, you, you want to have that criticism, and, but it's all about passion. You know, all these fans are very, very passionate, and um, it's, expectations are high, and, and that's uh, that's that's fair. And but when we're giving out giveaways, it's the same thing. You know, people come up to us and say, "Hey, do you still have those cushions that you have? Or do you have the the, the fingers? The you know the 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 fingers with the 
number one sticking out with about you tip and you have this and that or why don't you raffling this and we get all types of uh, opinions and we love it because I don't look at it as a criticism I'm looking like hey they're all into it let's go for it but um, that, I, I love uh, giving away a lot of things we've done t-shirts I mean I you, you, you tell me and we've pretty much done many many things and we'll continue to do this because I think that um it's 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 a it's a great blessing that uh, you know that uh, we have the means to be able to give back to the community. I agree. I, I, that's an awesome thing right there. People love it. people love the giveaways and, the, and things like that when they go to the games. It makes them feel good for sure. Um, Oscar, when it comes to sports, you're just a big sports fan in general. You're a big UTEP basketball fan, big UTEP football fan, huge Cowboy fan. Yes. For our, all our listeners out there. stands out that like just a memory that you cling on to in sports that really just kind of always you always kind of go back to yes it was uh 1980 i don't want to get because my times are good but it was i believe it was 1988 89 um we uh we won the first round in basketball you basketball uh tim hardaway was a senior you had greg foster and antonio davis i was a freshman in high school and uh, out there in Fabens, and Fabens shut down. I remember this, you know, you have no internet back then, so it's not like you're streaming on your iPhone. You know, we had nothing out there, so uh, we, they shut down and they, they put the, t the, you know, the big uh, tube uh, TVs in the classroom and we're watching, you know, it was a day game and we're watching the second round of the NCAA playoffs. You're watching UTEP. And I believe they were playing um, Indiana. I think it was Indiana. And we lost the second round, but that's when we thought, I said, wow, that's amazing. I fell in love with Tim Hardaway, Antonio Davis, Red Foster says, that's a great team play. And from there on, you know, they, the following year, they, they, they made the, the, the playoffs again, the NCAA tournament. And I fell in love with with uh, with UTEP right there and then freshman year of high school, and I just it, it's a certain emotion that you can't describe to anybody. You, you gotta feel it, and I am just in love with the with the UTEP sports with basketball. I, I went to every single basketball game last year. I think I only missed one, and that was because I was feeling down. Uh, you know, I was feeling a little bit sick. So, but I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's, so it's hard not to love UTEP basketball and football and, and stuff like that and just get involved. So great story right there, Oscar. Um, as we wind things down, as you kind of reflect back on the 25 years that you've spent here in El Paso and Fabens and all the surrounding areas serving serving the community with your insurance agency, what what has the journey meant to you personally? It, this is a, this is one of those kind of milestones right there where you strike it off and hey, it's now it's on a 30, now it's on a 35 and 40. I give thanks to God. I think I, I, I give thanks to, to my family, uh, to my past and present employees, uh, to all my friends, to my business acquaintances. Um, you know, every every person that uh, that has been a part of this journey of mine, I give thanks. 
And I, I go back to what I was saying that, you know, when you surround yourself with the right people, you know, you know, the, you know, this is, you know, what's what's here for the future is endless. You, you can do amazing things. But what I, I reflect back is that this could not have been done with me myself. I needed the people. I need the people. I, I, I thank my clients also because you know I'm here today uh, because of my clients. And when we started in July of 1997, you know we started with one customer. That one customer is the one that initiated of what we are today. So yes, there's so many things that 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 have happened, and I thank all my clients that have been uh, that we've been able to protect what they love the most, and they've put the trust in, in me and in my team, and um, you know we're we're going for more. You know, I like I said earlier, it's not going to be. You know, I, I don't know if it's going to be seven locations. That's my, my, that's it. Or we're going to go, you know, next year or in, in a few years. When we hit 30 years, we're going to be doing another podcast, maybe uh, uh, with uh, holograms or something and saying, hey, how many agencies do you have? Now we have 15, <laughs> 15 uh, agencies across New Mexico and Texas and Arizona. We don't know, you know, but uh, I, I thank uh, God for what we've done, what He has given us. Any any kind of tips you can you can share, or anything so you can say on the horizon, new things that we can be aware of for the 25th year celebration that people can uh, keep an eye out. Yeah, so this is a big thing. So we got seven locations. Uh, we just finished uh, in the last uh, few weeks ago. Uh, we started to do uh, get all the dates. Every single location of my agency uh, started in August 5th which in this location at 1506 North Lee Torino, um, we will start having customer appreciations. We're gonna raffle TVs, we're gonna raffle uh, Circle Soleil tickets, uh, Disney on Ice tickets. We're gonna do many, many things. We're gonna give, do a lot of giveaways. Um, also, we're gonna have UTEP players come out here, so meet and greet, sign, uh, have them take, uh, for you and your family, take pictures with them. So we're gonna do a lot of things and we're gonna do August, September, and October because we would love to, I'm sorry, we would love to do this uh, in one week, but it's it's impossible. So we're gonna spread it out and I invite all my clients, I anybody, any listeners, 600 AM listeners, people listen on YouTube, if you wanna come and see what we're all about, just come in, you don't have to be a, a client of ours, just come in and enjoy a free hot dog, a free hamburger, drink, uh, maybe you'll be the lucky winner of a prize. As somebody who's been to many of these customer appreciation events, you, I think you should call them customer parties because they're just a big party. You have an open door policy, everybody can come in, get treats, get fed, get giveaways, meet people, yeah. it's just, it's a great time. So I, I appreciate the fact that you're having those, it's awesome. Oscar, you've been great, thank you so much for all the time. Uh, here on our Minor Talk podcast. Joining me is the co-host of Minor Talk, Sal Montes, who's getting ready for another season of Minor Talk. Joining me, along with Jason Craig. Uh, and uh, Sal, 
What people don't understand is during the offseason, you're just as busy as you are in the season for UTEP Athletics. You're the lead producer for UTEP football and UTEP men's basketball, along with the co-host of Minor Talk. But you are also the lead producer for the El Paso Chihuahuas, along with some of our other members of our 600 ESPN El Paso team who join you. Uh, But you work closely with Tim Haggerty on all these different broadcasts. And now... It's back. We're back in action, man. We're ready to go. Yeah, back in the saddle, right? Straight to it. Um, it's crazy because you mentioned there, there's off season, but there's really no off season. It's just, um, I guess, off season staying away from the sport itself. But in terms of activity, always being active, man. I mean, there's Chihuahuas baseball, as you mentioned, um, a really, really busy time with that because we always. I mean, Chihuahua season ends, and we know football season's right around the corner, and then like a month and a half or two months from that, basketball season's in effect, and it's just, you know, the the full grind of it. But it's always fun. It keeps us busy, and um, I mean, if you love sports, how could you not enjoy it, you know, every second of it? So, yeah, I'm excited to, to be at it again for Minor Talk. I think it's, what, year number four? Year number four. Year number four, man, and that's just Minor Talk. You and I go go way back, too, even before that, so it's always fun getting to, uh, to produce and, um, you know, work with you for these games, man. It's a blessing. No, it's always a blessing on my end, man. It's a pleasure's on mine. I think we've, we've developed such a good rapport. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're friends on and off the, the mic, I should say, yeah. you know, on and off the court, True. on and off the mic. <laughs> uh, so it, it works real easily for us. And, you know, you and I, I feel like we. I think I get told this. I'm sure you get told this, but you and I have real good, ke- like we have that chemistry. Mm-hmm. I know what you, I kind of know where you're going on things. You know where I'm going on things. We, we kind of, we have the feel for each other, man. Yeah. It's after like, four years. <laughs> a, after watching um, Winning Time, it's kind of like it's uh, Kareem and Magic. All right. You, I, you, all you right, be Magic. You be Magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I man. love that, man. No, but yeah, we, we have great rapport, man. It, it's always fun. Um, you know, we, we kind of know where to pick up from, from you know, each other's last sentence and, and statements. And uh, we just have a really, really good uh, sense of chemistry and uh, unison, man. It's always fun. Let me, let's be honest, though. It's the listeners. It's the people who chime in on Twitter. It's the callers who really make minor talk, and we're always so appreciative of them. Um, I, I get it a lot where somebody says, wow, you had that great caller last week, or I, I love the caller's mm-hmm. points, or all that kind of stuff. And that's the lifeblood of minor talk, right, Sal? Like, yeah. that's what, I, I feel like that's what energizes us. You, we know what kind of show it's going to be based off the game. If there's some drama going on in the oh, game, yeah. we know that we're going to be on for a while. We're going we're gonna to put <laughs> in a couple hours on minor talk if you know maybe a little bit more and i think that's what the fun part about it right like just kind of the pre-show stuff hanging out here beforehand coming up with talking points and riling up the listeners and and stirring up different things that's the fun part about minor talk yeah it's fun because the the show goes in a direction i'd say 99.99 percent of the time that the listeners take it because exactly. you mentioned we, we come up with our talking points we'll have our our you know topics we want to hit on but very rarely do we get to it from beginning to end because a listener brings up a great point or they, they bring up something that um, they noticed and that kind of steers the show in a way too so without the listeners man uh, the show would uh, really wouldn't exist and and when 600 got the um, the minor games again one of the first things that people ask literally like within minutes of the announcement is minor talk back and right. you know that's it's kind of the inception of the um, 
the rebirth, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I think the the rebirth has been a lot of fun because it's given minor fans a platform to mm-hmm. voice either their uh, excitement about yep. the team, their displeasures with the team, their concerns, their optimism, their skepticism. That's what makes it all fun. It's a yeah. community right there. And I, I think it's really interesting to see where this show has grown because uh, back in 2019, man, those were some brutal shows. I mean, brutal. Oh, yeah. UTEP was getting murdered. They were getting waxed left and right. It just seemed like there was no hope. You had a lot of fans calling in saying that Dana Dimmel should be fired. We had to be the, the voice of kind of reason saying like, hey, it's just year one. Let's. It's just year two at that point. Let's not really. Yeah. You know, they're going to give this a little bit more time to see the full rebuild take place. And it was a lot of trying to convince fans to, to remain patient. And now the the narrative yeah. is flipped. It's expectations that are placed on this team to have success. Coming off a seven-win season, and rightfully so, because this is a team right here that brings back uh, about nine starters on offense, about six starters on defense, yeah. if you really look at the makeup of things, and comes into this season. Yeah, of course, the first stretch of the year is a little challenging, but at the end of the season, Season, especially in Conference USA play, the schedule is very favorable, Sal. Which mm-hmm. makes me think that maybe this this the, you know this optimism is warranted on the UTEP minor side. Yeah, definitely because they're coming off of a bowl appearance and a lot of um, a lot of players returning to the team, as you mentioned. Of course, there's some departures. Um, you know, guys wanted to make that next step, and and rightfully so. You know, props to them. Thank you for your time at UTEP. But now it's time for guys to step up. But you also, uh, as we mentioned, there's guys who have who have been part of that fire. Guys who can show the newcomers the ropes, and also guys who have those expectations themselves. I mean, the the fans, media. There's a lot of of hype for this team, even outside of El Paso too. So when you have guys who are returning, knowing that hey, we're only seven points away from uh, from tying in a bowl game against Fresno State. I mean, that, that bodes well, especially for the confidence. And when you mentioned that second half of the schedule, which is favorable for the Miners, last year we, we saw it kind of, you know, fall off the rails. But going into this year with a favorable second half schedule, that's going to be the true test for this team. And if they can withstand that, there's a really, really good chance that um, not only can they play well in a bowl game, assuming they make it, but, I mean they'll be riding some confidence to even win that game. No, I agree with you completely, Sal. And I think the ceiling of this team is back-to-back bowl appearances for the first time since the Mike Price era, which yeah. was back in 2004-2005 when they had eight-win seasons. The floor, though, that's the scary part. that hang, It's the dark cloud that hangs over this program mm-hmm. and cannot go, go uh, unnoticed because this floor of this team is a significant regression that leaves a, a pit of just, you know, Ugh, yeah. in your stomach. Because if you know know this team and you realize they have all this returning production, they have a schedule that favors them, and if they can't hold their end of the bargain at that point, then that's yeah. the, the, there's some red flags all around at that point. So while the heights can be really exciting to look at for minor fans, if minor fans put into perspective what the floor would look like, a three-win season like that, yeah. man, that's a big-time panic button that you're pressing. No, big-time, and and no pressure, but, I mean, you have to get the ball rolling on the very first game of the right. season. Right. And the reason I mention this is because it's a lot of hype for that North Texas game. A lot of tickets have already been sold. There's very few uh, remaining left. Um, we know El Paso's a, a late-crowd city, so... We, I mean, I'm not going to book it, 
but I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be more surprised if it wasn't about, uh, you know, maybe a thousand uh, tickets left or a sellout. You know, I agree. if that's not the case, then I'll be surprised. But um, what I'm getting at, though, with North Texas is there's a lot of hype for this game. And the hype is about the minors. It's not about the visitor. We looked at one of the, um, uh, I think their last sellout was against the Texas Longhorns. Correct. Game was in El Paso. People didn't go to see the UTEP minors, right? They went to go see the Texas Longhorns. Uh, but this time, they're playing North Texas. There's people going out to see North Texas, um, maybe the family of Hatib Lyles. Shout there out to him. Shout out to Hatib Lyles. Um, but Parkland I mean, what? Grad. That's like maybe like 30, 40 people max, if that. You know, and maybe a couple of North Texas alums. But no, nah, man, people are going for UTEP at that game. So UTEP, you finally got what you wanted, a crowd to go see you guys. Now it's up to you to deliver. I mean, I can understand Oklahoma if, if they don't win that game, but they got to get back into it against New Mexico State. We'll preview the whole schedule down the road, but, I mean, that pressure is right from kickoff in the first game of the season. I agree with you completely, Sal. Let's dive into it. We're going to hit some talking points, and then we're going to wrap things up here, uh, just kind of giving everybody a season outlook uh, for yeah. this 2022 season. But before we look ahead, let's look back to 2021. What was your favorite moment from last season, 2021 season, for the Miners when they went 7-6? and six? Um, You know what? There, there's a lot. I'll, I'll do like um, one of my favorites, but it's not my favorite overall. My favorite would be the um, the Hall of Fame and Tackle Cancer game against Louisiana Tech. Um, that was the game, I believe, that they solidified bowl eligibility, um, which was huge. And they did it in a 19-3 game fashion. But if I had to pick my favorite one, Adrian, I'm going to go with the homecoming game against Old Dominion. Because at that point, the Miners were, I believe, 3-1. and one. This win here put them at 4-1 and one, where it was kind of like, okay, now we're nearing the middle of October and there's some, some real good outlook for this team. And if we're being real too, this is the game um, that they won where, where when you look at the final of 2021 in full for all of the Miners' uh, um, opponents, that's the team I think that uh, beat that they only had a winning record, something along the lines Correct, of that. Yeah. So um, they they got that win, and it was kind of the turning point for like, hey, this team can be something. That's a, that, I, I like that game. The Old Dominion game was probably their objectively their best quality win last year. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with the La Tech one because okay. I, I I really you know like your initial thoughts getting to that bowl eligibility, seeing that crowd get so excited about the team, seeing the players just uh, have that sense of emotion, just knowing all the all that they've been through, whether it was the COVID-19 pandemic shortened season in 2020, or if it was just the adversity that they've yeah. dealt with as a whole, it kind of felt like full circle right there. Everything was kind of uh, coming together. And then you had the drop-off, right? Then you yeah. had, uh, you know, after that, uh, the Miners proceed to lose five of their last six games, mm. uh, including the bowl game against Fresno State. Uh, but that's a really good one that you bring up right there, Sal. Let's let's move on to uh, some of our offensive MVPs. Now, this is an interesting one. When we look at the offense as a whole, there's a lot of big names out there. I'll start off with myself. I'm going with quarterback Gavin Hardison. Not necessarily going into the season as the MVP, but but the team needing him mm-hmm. to be that offensive MVP this year, and and I think that's a uh, an interesting kind of um, I don't know it, it's a it, it's a thing to look at right there for the Miners with Gavin Hardison who uh, last season threw for uh, over three thousand passing yards, which is really impressive. It was the most uh, quarterback has thrown for since uh, Trevor Vitito in a single season, mm-hmm. and uh, he he was somebody last year who I just felt like 
the only thing that Gavin Hardison needs to clean up is the turnover side of things. And once he gets those turnovers cleaned up, uh, does not cough up the ball or does not throw the ball uh, away in, in terms of throwing any picks, that's where he can take that next step along with his decision-making. But uh, I'm going with Gavin Hardison as my offensive MVP. What about you, Sal? You know what? Um, right along the lines of that, where Gavin Hardison is a factor, but it's not Gavin Hardison, I'm going to pick Tyron Smith. Um, this is a guy who showed some great flashes last year. He had his 100-yard uh, game against FAU, a game that the Miners almost had. Um, he also had a 49-yard touchdown against Rice, two touchdowns against UTSA. So basically, that those are games that I think they span in a difference of maybe like three or four weeks, if I'm not mistaken. So that shows that he can catch fire. But with um, Garrett being gone, along with Cowan being gone, it's kind of like he, he has to be the number one target for the Miners' offense, um, for the pass game, right? And with the philosophy that Demo has on offense, it's kind of like, you know, we're going we're gonna to beat you up on the line. We're going to use our powerful running backs, and we're going to throw to our best receivers. I know it sounds general, but when you watch the Miners' game, that's, that's literally the, the, that's right. the plan to a T. So basically... Until I see anybody else emerge, really, that's not to say that it won't happen. Um, Tyron Smith has to be the lone target or the lone threat in the passing game right now at the receiver core that I see and I think he's going to benefit a lot from that. I, I think so too. Now switching it over to the defensive side, um, I think it's easy to kind of think about and zero in on an MVP. So I'm going to yeah. kind of cheat here. But I'm taking praise of Mayule, the KD product, the guy who you might look at to be that next NFL product for the Miners. He and Jadrian Taylor combined for 12 sacks last year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, praise this season. It's about knowing that there's a target on your back in a sense. Like, hey, knowing that teams are looking out for you to be that guy who's going to uh, try to stop them. And understand that you have to now come up with that next move. And I think that's what Praise Mayhule can bring to the table. Now, he's only four and a half sacks away from the career sack record at UTEP, which is really cool to see a redshirt junior. I mean, he has a chance to do this, and he has a chance to really shatter that record when he's done at UTEP, assuming he comes back next year and plays a senior season. But uh, Praise Mayhule is going to be my defensive MVP. What about you, Sal? You know what? I I was thinking about this um, uh, the other day, and I was thinking Jadrian Taylor, Fraser Mehule off the top. You know, th- those are surefires. Right. But I'm gonna make I'm gonna make a switch. Okay. I'm gonna go with Tyrese Knight. Ooh. Because okay. with um, obviously we know that he could do it all. If if they were to put him on the line, this guy could could be a beast. But with shaking bake, shaking and baking things up on the defensive line. That, that leaves everything up to Tyrese Knight and the linebackers to kind of clean things up. It's kind of like defensive line. You eat the meal, linebackers, you're going to pick up the crumbs in That's that right. sense. And they're going to be vacuums on defense if anybody is able to get past them. So with Tyrese Knight, honorable mention, all-conference USA, second on the team in tackles with 102 and nine tackles for loss. I mean, I'm, I could go on and on about what he's had. He led the game against uh, Fresno State um, with 15 tackles as well. This is a guy who seeks that contact and uh, closes the deal 
upon contact. So I got to go with Tyrese Knight. That's my pick. Before we get into our special teams MVP, I do want to just mention real quick, uh, Breon Hayward, that his status is still up in the air uh, in terms of his NCAA eligibility. I'm sure we'll find out, you know, ahead of kickoff or game day. But uh, that's one of those that's still, you know, in the air as far as what's going to happen right there. So I think that uh, as a as kind of a substitute, instead of picking a Breon Hayward at that position, Tyrese Knight, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he put on almost identical numbers. You mentioned second leading tackler. Uh, I think he was just, you know, a handful away from yeah. being the, the leading tackler right behind Breon Hayward. But now going to the special team side of things, Sal, who would you say is your MVP on special teams? You know what? Easily off top, uh, this is not my pick, but um, of course, Gavin Beckley's a, a, a good choice. Baller. But uh, I'm going to go with Josh Sloan. Nice. A- and the reason why is because going into this season, we know the the star point of this minor team. If you were to pick one aspect of this team, whether it be offense, defense, or special teams, majority of the people are going to say defense. Of course. But to set up that defense, if the offense is not able to to get a first down and they have to punt it away Josh Sloan is getting better every year and he's going to be setting up the defense for a lot more success than he did last year which he did a good job of already and also to Adrian to this point I can't remember where I saw it it was on Twitter some um some media club but they had mentioned that uh, they were they were giving their top kicker punter duos their top 50 okay and I might be wrong, but I think it was like around 18 or 19. In all of uh, Division One college football, Beckley and Sloan wow. were one of the top duos, and I think they were at like 18 or 19. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. I mean, Josh Sloan already preseason all-conference. That's a great pick right there. Yeah. I, I'm going to just side with Beckley on the sense of like, he's my preseason pick. I mean, he's yeah. my uh, special teams MVP uh, going into this year because – when I know Gavin Be- when I see Gavin Beckley, I know number one, he's never going to miss a, 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 a PAT. He's going to make all your yeah. extra points right there. So it's money. It, it's he, he's so uh, he's so consistent with that aspect of the game, yeah. and that can't be taken for granted. And at the same time. I think he's money when it comes inside of 40, like 40 mm-hmm. yards. He's money. He will make those field goals. He had an 18 for 24 season, had a long of 50, and uh, he has a chance this season to take that next step. I'm, I'm really bullish on Gavin Beckley, and I think uh, he's going to be a, a real fun guy to watch. Now, um, I, wa- I want to switch gears and talk about your most anticipated game of this season. Now, uh, you know, you've got a lot of different ones, especially non-conference or in conference play but Sal when you look at the 2022 season which is the game that you're most hyped for the one I'm most hyped for is gonna be Charlotte on October 1st why why will they get their first win in the eastern time zone oh my gosh you had to go there I had to right off the bat (laughs) and the reason I say this to Adrian is because we know that first half of the season is the toughest they got Oklahoma I mean North Texas could be a tough game too they they dropped it last year against them in the final minutes and the year before and the year before and the year before you know but finally North Texas isn't scared to come to El Paso that's a whole other story but uh, Oklahoma is going to be a tough one Uh, New Mexico it's on the road and it was a tough game last year too Boise State at home Boise State's one of the top um, I don't know what the equivalent to a mid-major in football is but um, you know they're, they're a group of five power I guess if we yeah, want to say no, that yeah I, I think so um, yeah but definitely. Ba- basically they have 
two games where majority of the people can chalk them up as losses. North Texas could be a um, a toss up. I think New Mexico State and New Mexico is is probably better set for wins. Uh, but you have Charlotte on October first, your first game um, of October. Your chance to win a game in the Eastern Time Zone, which you haven't done, and also a game that's after Boise State. Who knows who's going to be available for this game? This is a chance to break a severely, severely, severely terrible curse. Can they do it against Charlotte? <laughs> and finally, in and finally win in the uh, in the Eastern Time Zone. Now, one of the biggest things about all of this, Sal, uh, is uh, you know I'm looking at this. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm going to go with North Texas just because it's the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. Set the tone right, and then you know what I. I have to say, it can't be overblown in a positive way, right? Because if UTEP wins that game, what what can you really take from that game going into Oklahoma? That's where I, exactly. I have a lot of questions. So, like, if I if I wanted to make the argument for North Texas, it sets the tone for the season. If I wanted to make the argument against that game being the most highly anticipated game of the season, I might go with a game like, uh, you know, on the road at La Tech. It's a team that's trying to be up and coming, a team that you beat last year with the Miners. And maybe at that point of the season, it's kind of that win that you're going to need in order to become bowl eligible for a second straight season. So, if that's yeah. the case, I, I kind of look at that one as being a, a big a big game to, to look at. Sal, as we wrap things up, as we kind of look ahead to this season, I need your prediction. Give me your final prediction for this season uh, at, for the Miners and give me the record. All right. Um, I'll just do game by game, quick win or loss. North, okay. North Texas win. Here, I'll set it up for you, okay? Okay. North Texas. Win. Oklahoma. Loss. New Mexico State. Win. At New Mexico. Win. At, or no, versus Boise State. Loss. Okay, uh, at Charlotte. Win. Okay, Say so. It's so too re- late. No, oh, no, man. No. <laughs> so now you have them right now at four and two. Yeah. At La Tech. I'm going to put that one as a loss. Okay, uh, Florida Atlantic. Win. Middle Tennessee. Win. Rice. At Rice. Thursday. <sighs> loss. I don't know why. Wow. Okay, uh, at UTSA. Loss. I skipped a game. Uh, versus Florida Atlanta International. Florida International. I'm going to say a win. It's senior day. Okay. And then you're calling the UTSA U- game a UTSA loss. UTSA loss because it's senior day. <laughs> so you have this team finishing 7-5 and five, going to a bowl game, Sal. Yeah. And, well, I, I didn't give the final uh, season record. I'm going to say 8-5. and five. Wow. They, they finally get a bowl win. Wow. Damn, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. But it tastes wow. so good. Oh, man. I haven't made my final prediction. I'll do it next with Steve Kaplowitz. I am dreading this conversation because I'm not I, – I, I feel like I, I'm good going out on a limb on different subjects. But uh, last year I picked him to go 6-6. Six and six. I always try to go a little conservative mm-hmm. just because of all this stuff. Still don't know where I'm leaning because you got him 8-5, and five, Sal. You got him 8-5. and five. Yeah, this is a, a team that has a very, very favorable schedule, you know, to close things out. Obviously, it's up to this team to um, to win those games, of course. Right. But just going off of the trends, the recent trends, not, not history, but um, they've gotten consistently better. Their defense is good enough to win them games alone. Sure. We saw that last year for like four of or five of their wins. Their defense is the reason that they won the game. But the reason I feel confident in this team is because Hardison has another year under his belt, and he should have a, a, a solid year. I mean, he's been a starter for so long. You're, there's nothing less than a 
a really, really good slash great year. That should be expected from Gavin Hardison. I think that's fair to say. Very fair. But the defense can put this team in position to win. We talked about their special teams with Gavin Beckley and, and Sloan, but Beckley in particular, imagine you feel more confident as the minutes are winding down and it's a tie game or the Miners have a chance to tie it with the field goal or take the lead with the field goal. You have a lot of confidence that the defense can get a stop. We saw that. You have a lot of confidence that Beckley can make those field goals. And let's say the defense has to win them the game because, you know, the offense doesn't put up points to put the game away. You feel confident in Sloan punting the ball, putting them in uh, the opposition in terrible field position for them. And then the defense closing the deal with the, with the good play. So I think that bodes well. And if guys can step up on the offense, this this the sky could be the limit for this team, but yeah, eight and five with a seven and five regular season. Oh man, Sal! Now I've got to do the dreadful task of uh, making my final picks. Um, but Sal, thanks so much for doing this. Thanks for uh, thanks for always being available. We're doing this literally as you're doing a Chihuahuas uh, broadcast. Yeah. <laughs> we're hearing vacuuming in the background because we're doing this after hours in our 600 ESPN El Paso <laughs> Lubingo studios. So I appreciate it, everybody listening. And hey, Sal, we'll talk to you Saturday. You got it. I'm excited. August 27th. You know where to be. Be there or listen on 600. In our final segment here on the Minor Talk Season opening podcast, I'm joined by my tag team partner on Sports Talk, Steve Kaplowitz. Uh, Steve, this season there's a lot of optimism revol- involving this UTEP football team. Um, we, we've talked about this countless of times for uh, here on Sports Talk, but the season outlook it's pretty simple. The expectations are there on this UTEP football team, and it's up to them to deliver. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And I mean, they know how good they were in the first half of the season. They also know that this despite being in most of those games, they did not deliver the second half of the season. So uh, if they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder starting off 2022, they should. And hopefully uh, they'll be able to start strong and finish strong and and uh, just you know continue to progress on what so far has been pretty optimistic uh, time with uh, Dana Dimmel. Who are some of the players you're most uh, you know you're looking forward to most from the minors this upcoming year? Look, I mean there's all the usual suspects, right? I think Praise, I mean, is going to have a monster season. I am very excited about the combination of Ronald A. Watt and Deion Hankins in the backfield. I'm very interested to see who emerges as the wide receiver of uh, of choice. Does Tyron Smith kind of take into that lead role? They're so deep now. Are there guys that we don't even know about who are going to emerge? And clearly, to me, the guy on the you know, the, the man of the hour, the man of the year, is Gavin Hardison. He's wearing the Laufenberg name and number on the back of his jersey this year after Justin Garrett, he has to take that next step. If UTEP is going to have an opportunity to really get to the top of this conference, Gavin Hardison needs to become one of, if not the best quarterback in this conference. And uh, I think he has the chops to do it. I know he's got the skill set. The question is, will Gavin be able to put it all together this year and allow that UTEP offense to become uh, one of the most prolific offenses in the conference? Before we get into our game-by-game uh, predictions for this UTEP schedule, which I- I'm dreading, by the way. I hate doing this, but I-, I love doing this because we always get to reflect back on this. Uh, we'll post an article about this as well on 600ESPNElPaso.com for people to check it out and-, and to hold us to this. But before I get to this, the season total, uh, the odds for the total wins for this season for UTEP football is five and a half wins. 
I'm in the I'm in the kind of boat where I feel like UTEP can eclipse that five and a half mark pretty easily. If they don't, though, Steve, if they go back to the bottom of that, that's a real, real bad loss for this UTEP football team. Huge step back. Huge step back. Because right now there is more optimism and momentum that this team is uh, suddenly uh, facing since Price. Because you got to realize something, okay? Even when Sean Kugler won seven games and went to a bowl. Nobody was buying that team the following season thinking that they were legit like they are this team. And the crazy thing is, that following season, they had more injuries than they've ever dealt with, and they were a missed field goal away from going 6-6 and and going back to a bowl game. People forget about that, that that team missed a field goal against Louisiana Tech, that if they beat the Bulldogs that year, they are 6-6. and They're going back-to-back bowl games, Maybe they win, and who knows how the future is rewritten for Kugler and company. But that's not the case, and for now, all of a sudden, hey, we're pretty excited about this team, and fans are excited. They realize UTEP has a chance to do something that they haven't done in more than 15 years. That's go to a back-to-back bowl games, and this time win their first bowl since 1967. I think when you look at this UTEP football program, and just how it's been historically kind of inconsistent, right? I mean, this would be the first year back-to-back bowl appearances since 2004-2005, you have to come up with a set of rules for picking UTEP football games. So I'm going to read you some rules that I I just came up with. You you tell me what you think, okay? Go ahead. Number one, any Power 5 game is a loss for UTEP. No, I don't think that's necessarily the case because it depends on how weak those Power 5 schools are. The problem is this year, the Power 5 school is Oklahoma. So more than <laughs> likely, the streak continues. But if you are ever clever enough to play a bottom feeder in a Power 5, then suddenly you have a chance. The problem is um, UTEP hasn't been that fortunate in a while to be going up against those Power 5 bottom feeders. Maybe next year against Arizona is that year they get that Power 5 win if Arizona doesn't take a step up in their in their program. But I'll go to my second one. NMSU is never a guaranteed win. That's 100% correct. 100% correct. When it's a rivalry game, you throw the records out the window. You throw everything out the window. And now that Jerry Kill is on board, and we know what he's done in the past with all those teams he's taken over, who knows what's going to happen. Hopefully not this year for UTEP fans, but in the future, that could become as good a rivalry game as it's been in a long time. Okay, my third rule. Always count on at least one UTEP blunder game. A game that they totally, totally botch, which they're supposed to win. That's usually a stone-cold lock. It, it really is. You hope that as the program grows and gets better and better, that that statement gets thrown out the window. But for now, I'm 100% with you on that. And yeah, you do feel like as long as uh, you know UTEP football is relevant, something will happen this season and every season that'll make you crazy. Number four, injuries and players being out for whatever reason is actually a big deal for UTEP. Huge. They don't have the depth to recover in some spots. They really don't. Now, certain positions, they can afford injuries. They can afford other things to happen. But you look at this minor team, although from a depth perspective, it's better than it's been in a long time. It's still UTEP. And uh, take, for example, Gavin Hardison. 
if something happens there and you're relying on uh, on, on a guy like Calvin Brownholtz, who, um, it, despite being a senior, is unproven for the most part, hasn't played a ton, uh, that would just be a, you know throw a huge wrench into the UTEP season. And my last rule, never count out the minors when they're set as a high underdog, especially in Conference USA games. Like, I'll give you an example. Last year, they were 4-4 four and four when they were underdogs, uh, whether it was against the spread or just money line. They were 4-4, they were four and four, so they're kind of 500. What do you think about that one right there? I like that. I always think, now it's funny, um, I remember when uh, Gary Nord said that UTEP stands for you take them points. <laughs> and um, everybody got a good laugh, just like you did there. But no, they have been good with the spread. They've been good uh, last season against the spread. And, and you're right. If they're ever uh, a huge underdog, like take, for example, um, Oklahoma, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment, could very well be UTEP's opportunity to shine. Okay, let's go game by game for this 2022 football schedule. We'll pick wins and losses, and then at the end we'll kind of talk about our records on, on both ends. I already did mine. I I know you've got yours on your end, so let's just get to it. Saturday, August 27th, Week 0 game at home against North Texas at the Sun Bowl. What, what do you think? Do we need scores or just wins yeah, and losses? just wins losses. I think UTEP wins the game. I think it'll be a very entertaining game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be a close football game. I think it could go down to the fourth quarter. Uh, but ultimately, for UTEP, this is, I don't want to say it's their season, but so much is on the line for this first game. If they win in front of a in front of a packed house, sold out crowd, it absolutely sets them up to draw for the rest of the season. If they lay a giant egg on uh, the 27th, then guess what? Uh, good luck getting fans back. Unless you're going to go upset Oklahoma the next week, you're not going to be able to get them back in as easily as you want. So this is a huge game. I think UTEP comes ready to play. I think they realize what's on the line. They have not beaten North Texas since Aaron Jones was in the backfield here at uh, at the Sun Bowl. Final game of the season that year. I think things change this time around and, and the Miners win. They have way more to lose than they actually do to gain in this one and they have to win. It's it's such an interesting thing where it's a must win situation in the first week of the season for the Miners but I'm with you on that. I still think the Miners win. I'm going to side with this team because they've shown that they have a lot of starters coming back from last year and I'm going to side with the team in ex, uh, that has experience which is the UTEP Miners. Let's go over to September 3rd. That's the away game out in Norman, Oklahoma. Do we need to pick this game are you picking the unthinkable Oklahoma versus UTEP uh, 130 kickoff Saturday September 3rd look Oklahoma is predicted to win the Big 12 all right I'm not going to go say UTEP's going to go in and, and beat this team you, you could be a fan all you want but let's be realistic let's be uh, respectful here okay uh, Oklahoma has uh, you know a team that's going to have a new head coach I get that but you're dealing with somebody at Brent Venables who knows the program somebody who's very familiar to Norman um, I am interested in number one, um, Dylan Gabriel. Okay, he was so prolific at Central Florida. Now he comes over and is jumping into the Big Twelve. What will that be like? Will there be some growing pains? Will he be able to just take it and run? Um, look, this is a team that has plenty of talent. I like Theo Weiss. Uh, he is a receiver. Marvin Mims. They got tons of receivers, tons of talent, and they will be pretty good on the defensive side. Will it take a while? Maybe it takes a little while. Could be a perfect time for UTIP to go in there. If the Miners can just keep this respectable 
and leave with healthy players and at least a competitive football game, I think that would go so far to turn everybody in this town into believers. That's a win in my book. I'll be honest with you, Steve, but I still take a loss against Oklahoma, so I have the Miners going uh, into their September 10th rivalry game against New Mexico State at 1-1. One and one. Uh, That's Jerry Kill, his new program with the Aggies. He's trying to establish that, uh, you know, the culture, trying to lay the foundations for this football program at New Mexico State. How do you see this one going? I think UTEP wins, and I think UTEP wins this um, handily by a couple touchdowns. Look, I like Jerry Kill. I think Jerry Kill's going to do terrific stuff when they become, uh, you know, conference rivals here starting next season. And I think that by next year and the year after, New Mexico State's going to be a very legitimate team to be reckoned with in Conference USA. But if you look at historically his turnaround jobs, year one is never a good year. I mean, he is taking over a team at rock bottom, a program at rock bottom. He's got to build it back up again. You don't just fix it overnight. You need some time. So uh, the Aggies could do some things in that game. They could score some points and maybe put a little bit of a scare in the UTEP. But I think when it's all said and done, Miners come out and, and they win this one and they're 2-1. and one. I don't think this one will be a blowout, but I do think the Miners will win. I think they uh, will definitely handle the Aggies in the Battle of I-10. First time it's in El Paso. Feels like a long time. So uh, the Miners get a much needed win in the Battle of I-10 at home. They improve to 2-1. and one. Now they go on the road to New Mexico that following week. Now this is an interesting one because head coach Danny Gonzalez has kind of had a um, up and down tenure so far as a Lobos head coach. You know, he is somebody who comes from the Herm Edwards coaching tree out there from uh, Arizona State and New Mexico ended up, you know, he's he's 5-14 and 14 as a head coach overall. So to say the pressure is high for Danny Gonzalez is probably an understatement. How do you see this one going? Look, last season, this was the worst offense in college football. Ugh. Think about that. Worst offense in FBS. And you know what? I don't think they're going to have a 180. So if you take that offense against UTEP's defense, uh, you know, this could be the minor salivating at an opportunity to not just score points against against uh, Gonzalez's uh, Lobos, but be able to generate some turnovers and maybe score on defense as well. So I know it's a road game. I know it's New Mexico. I know it's a team that you know has traditionally given UTEP some trouble up there in Albuquerque, which has always been the case. But if the Miners come out of New Mexico State playing well with confidence – I think they go into uh, Albuquerque and come out on top. I've got them winning as well. I, we, we've got uh, same, the same approach so far. Let's see if we continue to have the same approach going into the following week, September 23rd. No breaks for the Miners in the in the entire month of September, uh, and they take on Boise State at home at the Sun Bowl. I was uh, a young fan when I got a chance to watch the Miners host Boise State. I think it was way back in uh, 2006, and in that game, it was just a back-and-forth effort by both teams. I, I believe I believe the officials had a lot of questionable calls in that game in which the Miners ended up losing. But what you see from Andy Avalos, uh, who is now their second-year head coach over there at Boise State, they were 7-5 and five last year. I, I like some of the pieces that they bring back to the team. Uh, Bachmeyer is back as well at the quarterback position, and he lit up the Miners last year yes, at did. home. 
but now it's in the Sun Bowl. What, what do you? How do you see this one faring? So again, I think this comes down to the UTEP defense more than the offense. I remember in the game against Boise, the offense was going toe to toe early, and then you had the special teams touchdown that the Miners gave up, and the wheels came off after that. And it's just like they just they they never could recover. So I think this time around, Boise State just destroyed the UTEP defense last game. They picked them apart. Long touchdown passes. It was bad. So the question's going to be by this game, by game, what is this? Game number uh, five, right? right? How will UTEP's pass defense be at this point? You know, um, will the corners grow up a little bit? Because there could be some newcomers uh, in the defensive backfield having an opportunity to shine. If they play well against New Mexico and New Mexico State, and they are, uh, what, four, uh, three and one going into this game, they're going to be riding a ridiculous amount of momentum. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Sun Bowl is nearly sold out for this game, too. A lot goes into it. A lot of these miners that were on the team, they, they were there last year. They knew what it was like to get their tails kicked. They want revenge. I think this is the statement game of the season for UTEP. Not going to be easy. Boise State picked first in the Mountain West. Um, they'll clearly be the favorites, but I I could see UTEP going down the wire with Boise State, and if the ball breaks in the right way, end up winning this football game. Wow, that's that's a big one right there. So you've got the statement victory against Boise State for the Miners. I'm going to go the opposite direction and say Miners lose by two touchdowns. It's a good game at the beginning, but uh, yeah, the Miners, I just don't think they have enough to compete still with the Boise State Broncos. It's a Friday night game, which is pretty interesting as well. Uh, next Saturday, the first game of, con- well, the first First game officially a conference USA uh, season, although they play that North Texas game to kick off the year. Charlotte on the road in Charlotte, North Carolina, Saturday, October 1st. Now, here's the stat that everybody wants to hear. UTEP football is 0-25-1 all-time in Eastern time zone games. They have never won a game in the Eastern time zone. Steve, is this the time where they finally turn it around and win that first game in the Eastern time zone? Here's the thing, okay, and 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 this is interesting because you look at them last year, right? Um, they were um, what? I guess they were four and two early on, and then they went to five and four, but they lost their last three. So um, they're much better at home than they are on the road. And getting Chris Reynolds a quarterback is going to be a big thing for them because he is right now uh, you know, a second-team all-preseason Conference USA player, according to Phil Steele. Um, they also have Grant DuBose, one of the best receivers in the league. So you got a good quarterback, you got a good receiver. It's going to be a lot like Boise State. Another test because their offense has playmakers. But they also have a defense that right now should play into the UTEP offense. Listen. No road game is ever easy for UTEP. We've seen that, especially on the East Coast. However, Charlotte is not projected to be one of the top teams in Conference USA. They're more of the bottom feeders this year. So if UTEP does what they should do, what they've done all along this season, yeah, this team is going to come out and suddenly they're going to be um, you know, 5-1 and one, and minor fans are going to be looking around going, what the heck's going on here? Yeah, I'm not really uh, too much of a fan of Will Healy and his staff and, and his team really at Charlotte, but I'm, I'm flipping this one. I like quarterback Chris Reynolds. I think he's a sharp gunslinger and I think he has the ability to just throw all across the field. If the Miners struggle out of the gate when it comes to their pass defense, I think Charlotte's a team who can expose that. They also have uh, Conference USA Freshman of the Year from last season, Elijah Spencer back this season with the 49ers. 
I'm taking Charlotte in this one. Well, Steve. I mean, why why not? They've never uh, UTEP's never won a road there a road game on the East Coast, so that's a safe bet. But again, not so much worried about the UTEP pass defense getting picked apart. I'm more interested in can the front. Uh, the front four get pressure and can they make everybody's opposing offensive line miserable? And if they can, and Praise and Keenan Stewart and Jadrian Taylor and these guys start wreaking havoc all on opposing offensive lines, then the defensive line, defensive backs aren't going to have to worry too much because quarterbacks aren't going to have enough time to throw the football. And that's going to be a big, big key for that UTEP defense. Yeah, I, I, this could be the year where they finally snap that streak. So it's there. It's it's right there for the taking for the Miners. Uh Shifting it over October 8th, another road game, back-to-back road games for the Miners in Conference USA. It's uh, Louisiana Tech. They head off to Ruston, and they take on Sonny Cumbie's new team with the uh, Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. He is coming there after uh, helping out the Texas Tech Red Raiders in an air raid offense as their uh, offensive coordinator from last season. Uh, Sonny Cumbie and the Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. What do you, How do you see this game faring? Man, the problem here is Louisiana Tech's rebuilding. They're another team that's on their way back up, but it could take a while. So for UTEP, they're kind of lucky. I mean, you get Charlotte and La Tech on the road back-to-back weeks. I feel like that's a pretty good sign. It really signals things are going well. Look, you said it earlier. There's always a game, right, where you think UTEP's going to win, and then things slip away. I'll go here with Louisiana Tech. It could be a toss-up. I could easily say beat Charlotte, lose to Louisiana Tech. I don't think UTEP goes 2-0 on this road trip. I think they're going to fall someplace. So again, um, it'll be a tough loss for minor fans because they're so things are so promising at this point. But unless uh, you know they're just clicking in all cylinders and nobody is going to stand in their way, this would be that game where something happens and UTEP ends up going down. I took your same philosophy as far as UTEP splitting these road trip games, and I have them winning in this one. But they could easily win against Charlotte and drop this one. So I, I completely understand where you're saying there. Uh, moving forward, they get the bye week, uh, the October 15th weekend. Then they go at home against Florida Atlantic. The Miners are 5-1 and one when they come off a bye under the Dana Dimmel era. Florida Atlantic come into the Sun Bowl at a two, for a 2 o'clock kickoff. Do you think the Miners win this one? So here's the thing, okay? FAU has all their offensive weapons. This is going to be another uh, challenge for the UTEP defense. They're all back. Quarterbacks, receivers, running backs. But FAU is like gutted in their own defense. So this could be a high-scoring affair. This could be one of those games where there's finals in the 30s because both teams are really racking points up on each other. Um, UTEP is at a spot now where they need to really kind of click again and get this thing and, and get this thing going where it needs to be. Um, that being said, again, sometimes if you're a UTEP fan, things happen that aren't supposed to happen. So I think the Myers are going to stay close with Florida Atlantic. It's going to have a chance to be a, a, a really tight game. But when it's all said and done, this uh, could end up being the first time the Miners take a loss at the Sun Bowl this year. So I'll go Florida Atlantic in an upset. Miners have a couple of losses in a row and have to try to figure things out. Look, I really like quarterback Nikosi Perry. He's a, he's a really nice uh, throwing quarterback who can also run the football as well. So he brings that dual threat ability. And then they've got their dynamic running back in Johnny Ford. So they, they have some nice pieces. I'm still taking the minors simply because the home field advantage coming off the bye week as well. Uh, but flipping it over, it's that Halloween weekend. They host Middle Tennessee. That's a 7 o'clock kickoff on October 29th, a Saturday game that will be streamed on ESPN Plus along with most of these Conference USA games with the exception of Rice on the road. And then their away game against UTSA to close out the year. But how do you see this one? 
one against Louisville. This is where they rebound. This yeah. is where UTEP rebounds, okay? They're not going to lose three in a row. They're not going to let their season get away from them, especially with Rice and FIU coming up next on the schedule. Miners are going to battle back. It's going to be a tough, hard-fought game. Uh, once again, you know what? Uh, you look at uh, Middle Tennessee. They've got a rebuilt offensive line. That gives UTEP's defense licking their chops. Um, and, you know, even though Chase Cunningham is back, uh, it might not matter. So I'll give UTEP the opportunity to come back in a big way, beat Middle Tennessee, and get this thing rolling again. Yeah, Middle Tennessee's really good. I mean, they, they UTEP didn't play them last year. They're seven, they came off a 7-6 and six season uh, going into this year. They're a really good team, but I still have the Miners beating them. I think the Miners have a, a really good, uh, you know, a really good chance whenever they play anybody at home, and, and that goes without saying, but uh, that should be a really interesting game to kind of watch. November 3rd, that's the first November game of the season for the Miners. It's a Thursday night game against Rice on the road, and this one uh, will be uh, televised on CBS Sports Network, like I just mentioned. Now, it's interesting because uh, against Rice, it feels like Dana Dimmel always has Mike Bloomgren's number, but with Rice, this is that they're kind of make it or break it year. If they fail, uh, you could definitely see a change in regime at the coaching staff over there in Rice. Look, Rice did something weird last year. They knocked off Marshall and UAB in the same season. That's a, that's a shock, but they also only won four games last year, so it's not exactly like we're ready to declare Rice the champions of Conference USA. I don't think Rice uh, goes ahead and, and makes a huge uh, step up this year. I think the Miners come back. Uh, they beat Rice on the road in Houston. They realize what's at stake, and again, they're trying to close this season strong and have a shot at, at winning a conference title. I still have Rice in this one, Steve. This is my blunder game for the Miners. Unfortunately, Miners come in a little overconfident, think they can walk all over the Owls, and they fall in this Thursday night game. Uh, shifting it over, the last home game of the year, it's FIU at home November 19th, a 2 o'clock kickoff for this one. How do you see uh, the Miners faring against the Panthers? Oh, I think the Miners, uh, get, they, they realize this could be one of their layups. This is the yeah. game they've got to have, and I think they have. And I think it's a pretty convincing win for UTEP, too. They realize what's on the line. They don't overlook UTSA the following week. Instead, they realize, let's go in, take care of business against the Panthers, and get ready for the big one uh, against UTSA. Yeah, Ma- uh, Mike McIntyre is going to be a good first-year head coach for FIU, but they're not ready to go on the road and, and travel from the East Coast to El Paso to beat the Miners. So I-, I take the Miners in this one as well. Final game of the year, away game out in San Antonio, UTSA, November 26th. Oh, man, this one could be a real interesting game, especially if the Miners, uh, well, ho- hopefully for the Miners' sake, they're not in a position where they have to go and then win the last game of the year to try to maintain bowl eligibility. But nonetheless, uh, UTSA last season was a, uh, you know, w- went to the Conference USA Championship. They bring back, um, you know, their quarterback and Frank Harris. How do you see this one, Farron? Listen, I, I think that, uh, you know, UTSA is still picked uh, to win the league by many, to be one of the top teams in, in Conference USA. Now, who knows what uh, things are going to look like by November 26th. Maybe UTSA is not as good as we all projected. Maybe the Miners are great. We just don't know. But if you look at the way this game goes on paper, the way UTSA has played UTEP in recent years, the fact that it's a road game as amped up as the Miners are going to be, Frank Harris is considered right now the best quarterback in Conference USA. How great would it be if Hardison and Harris are the two best quarterbacks in the league and ultimately this game comes down to bragging rights to see who gets the best of each other for a game that, that could ultimately decide Conference USA. I would love that. Imagine if this one has a lot of meaning behind it. That would be huge. But uh, this is a a tough one to pick. This one, I really had to to wrestle with my thoughts as far as who's taking this one. Look, uh, you look across the board, uh, UTSA, outside of special teams, 
in running back because they lost McCormick has about as talented a group uh, as you're going to find. They had a good recruiting class, and and they also have Jeff Trailer as head coach. I'm going to give UTSA the win here. I think it could be close for the Miners, um, but I don't think uh, that that you know the the season ends on a high note heading into uh, postseason. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that, Steve. I think that the you know the last time that the Miners beat UTSA in uh, San Antonio was that crazy overtime win, that triple overtime uh, win that they had. Uh, and I think it would take something like that in order to beat UTSA on November 26th. So I've got the Miners at 7-5, and five, Steve. I, I know that it's a little bit lower than what I initially thought, but I do have them winning their bowl game. So maybe That's let's huge. see how that how they finish up there. I think I went 8-4, and four, but I picked the most weird losses. Like, you know, you would normally think Boise State. I, didn't w- I went with instead Charlotte and Louisiana Tech. But I could easily see UTEP going back to a bowl, winning a bowl like you. And listen, seven wins, eight wins. If they go seven or eight wins and win a bowl game, that would absolutely uh, get this entire community fan base pumped up for the future. Yeah, I felt like going into this year, it's all about winning that bowl game, snapping that streak for the first time since 1967. So I'm totally with you on that. Hey, Steve, thanks so much for doing this. I can't wait to bring you on here on Minor Talk throughout the season whenever we do these kinds of podcasts or whenever we do actual Minor Talk in general. Don't hold me to these picks because I'm willing to bet that on game (laughs) week, I'm probably going to change my mind after what I just said now, but this was a lot of fun and uh, looking forward to the season. Oh, trust me. I change my picks all the time, so I'm, I'm with you on that. Good, Adrian. wrap us up here on the minor talk podcast boy uh thanks for listening if you hung around throughout the whole podcast thanks so much for listening to this whole thing uh my special thanks to voice of the miners john teicher his new tag team partner cole freytag former utep miner as well who graduated back in 2016 my special thanks to quarterback gavin hardison who chatted with me during a practice and uh got a chance to get pick his brain and get a good understanding of what's going on behind the scenes for utep football big shout out to oscar i the agency and Oscar Adietta himself for joining us on the podcast. They're celebrating 25 years here in El Paso, and it was great to talk with him and, and also just talk about what it is to be a business owner here in this city, which was real cool to get under the hood and really understand what it fully means. So big shout out to the Oscar Adietta agency. And then big shout out also goes to our two guys here in the 600 ESPN El Paso Lubingo Studios, Sal Montes, my tag team partner and co-host for Minor Talk, and also Steve Kaplowitz, who Uh, I joined on Sports Talk every single day, Monday through Friday. We are so excited. It is another season of Minor Talk here on 600 ESPN El Paso. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, make sure to like, subscribe, and refer this podcast to a friend if you love this one, Talking UTEP Football. I know it was a long one. I know we did have some audio uh, difficulties at some points, but thank you so much for listening in and uh, can't wait for this season. I'm really excited about it. Uh, Me personally, I I have a lot of optimism myself and uh, let's see what the miners can do till next time till august 27th as you're listening to 600 espn el paso